Welcome to Conversations for Course Creators, a podcast for entrepreneurs who share their expertise with the world through courses. We'll deep dive into online course creation and the topics and products related to courses, including books, virtual summits, coaching programs, and a myriad of training tools available to us today. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to this episode of Conversations for Course Creators. My name is Lucas Marino, and I am your host. And I've got the second part in our series on pricing for you tonight. Pretty exciting topic, one of the more subjective and popular topics in course creation uh, is pricing. So I felt like this topic deserves multiple episodes, and this particular episode, uh, part two here of the pricing series, will focus on whether you should adopt or match your competitors' prices or not, and some of the pros and cons. Um, This is a very common method of establishing an initial price for courses amongst a lot of course creators. And I want to just kind of talk a little bit about why this is something you should consider in your pricing strategy, but not necessarily just immediately adopt. It's not the sole input to your decision. So you may recall that in the last episode, I talked about volume, like the relationship between volume and prices, low prices, high volume, high uh, high prices, low volume. So if you're not familiar with that, Go back and check out episode 17, um, which was the first part in this uh, course pricing strategies run. And in that episode, I talk about being very intentional about whether you want to work with higher volume or lower volume sales and client types based on your high or low pricing and the dependencies and relationships between price and volume. And it, it gets it doesn't really get technical. It's a pretty simple concept. But. When, pe- when people hear that from me in client coaching sessions, they're like, okay, I get it. Um, so what should my price be? <laughs> right? It's like, well, we have to look at a couple of factors, not just what type of model you want to work in and how many products you want to sell for a certain amount of work and how much you want to get for each of those. <clears throat> but you need to understand a couple of factors about the market, including your competition. And that's what we'll focus on here. Um, We'll focus on other elements in uh, part three and four after this episode. So in particular, when you're talking about competitors' prices, you're looking at a source of information for you. It's a part of your education on, on your pricing, but it's not your prescription for price. In other words... I want you to go look at your client's prices. I want you to be aware of what the industry is kind of, I don't want to say demanding, but like what is popular for pricing in industry right now. And I want you to take that information and use it or that data. And I want to use it in context with your business and how much you have to put into creating your product and delivering your product. All these factors go together. It is really good to know what your competitors are charging so that you can 
figure out if you're in the ballpark for being competitive. But again, I don't want you to adopt their price because, well, let me let me just unpack these one at a time. So pricing implies a certain amount of value in your product, but it also implies a certain amount of volume or uh, or value, sorry, in your brand and in you. So if people come to your site and all they see is like very low priced products, they're going to assume there's lower value in your products. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not quality. There may be great quality, but they don't have much value. And remember in the training world, value is associated oftentimes with learner outcomes. What can I do with my new, newly developed knowledge and skills because I took your course? What's the value of that outcome? Right. If I can attend your course and you can teach me enough to close a performance gap or develop a new skill or be knowledgeable in a way that I can convert that knowledge to action and gain some type of financial return or even some type of non-financial return in my life that's worth a, a financial equivalent, like getting some time back in my day or better health or whatever, um, then if I can see that value very clearly on the onset and it matches what I see in your price, then I associate value with your course. If I associate very high levels of value with those outcomes, but your course is very low priced, I'm going to be suspicious that your course doesn't really deliver those outcomes. And if it does, then I would be surprised by that, right? It would be unexpected because we naturally assume, whether that's right or wrong, we assume we're programmed, our psychology says that you will price your courses appropriately based on the value of the outcomes. And that's kind of what my buyer's psychology does to me, right? So pricing implies a certain value. If you price it low, people will perceive that your your course has low value. So how does this hurt your brand and image? Well, certain, certain price points, uh, especially if you proliferate your business with low price points, will tend to drag that perceived value of your brand down. It's not just about the perceived value of the course. It's also about the perceived value of your brand. So it's one thing to experience it with one product, right? Like if I, if I buy a course from you and it's the one course on your site that is very low priced and it's kind of like a, a special deal, it's not normally priced that low. You're running like, say for instance, a Black Friday sale or, or a once a year, you know, business birthday sale or whatever it is. Uh, and you price your regularly priced course, let's say is, is like a thousand dollars and now you've got it super low at like 300 right so it's like 70 percent off it's like a huge discount well you don't always have it priced at 300 i can see that it's regularly priced at a thousand and that this is a special event so i don't have a perceived loss of value i actually see this as like a really good opportunity so i'm not going to necessarily assume that you have a low value course right but if all your products are very low priced and 
I don't very clearly see high value in those courses through experience or otherwise, then it's basically dragging the perceived value of your brand down. So just think about that in the context of your business. Now, how do how do we do that? I tell people all the time, list your products on a product ladder, right? Starting with your most expensive products at the top and then working your way down all the way down to the bottom of the ladder where you're going to have your lowest price options. Those are normally free things, right? Free downloadables, free courses, free whatever, right? Um, Podcasts could be free video content on a YouTube channel or on your website, whatever the case may be. Those, Those free products at the bottom that help your clients are at the very bottom of the ladder and then moving up in price your products until you get to the very top. So when I put all of my products on my product ladder and I put the prices next to them, I can see where there's a huge jump in price in my ladder. I can see if I have a gap I need to fill in in price structure. Um, I might not be providing enough options. I might be providing too many options. When it comes to price ranges, there, there could be all kinds of stuff that you can learn by just jotting that down on a piece of paper and looking at it and thinking about it. Uh, but if, if you put that product ladder together and everything on there is, is low priced, then you can see you've got an issue. Unless, and this is, again, context really matters, unless you just have a very high volume model and it's working. So if you if you have a high volume, low priced model and it's cranking, like the wheels are turning and, and money's coming in and everything's good, then I wouldn't necessarily encourage you to just assume you have a problem, right? I would, I would assume you have some room to move your prices up, but I wouldn't necessarily say you're having a problem because what's working is working. However, I will say that would be the exception to what I normally see. I don't normally see people with, with low-priced product ladders coming in complaining about making too much money. <laughs> right? So anyways, that's how, that's how you can take that little nugget of advice and do something with it. Okay. So let's look at the next point here. And that is that you don't want to end up in a race to the bottom. So if you're competing with, with other people on price and your competitor is already priced basically at cost for you, right? Like you, if you price the same price they have, you're just breaking over your cost. Then that's about the lowest you could go on your price. Well, you're going to be incentivized or motivated later when your competitor lowers their price to lower your price if all you do is worry about competing on price. I don't personally believe you should be competing on price. I think you should be competing on value. And that means you should be constantly focused on adding value to your courses because what it does is it gives you the ability to have better control over your price. So let's say you start your price low and then over time you slowly increase the price of your product as your value on that product grows. You'll never lose a night of sleep thinking that you're not giving enough for the price. You'll never hear complaints from clients about not getting enough value for their purchase. It's just a very healthy way to approach your work and almost no one complains about more value, right? So you're, you, you tend to have less customer complaints when 
there's a there's a there's a good bit of value baked into the product and the price is appropriate. So what you'll you'll end up doing though is if you're if you take your eye off of the value-based pricing and you strictly or predominantly focus on competing on price with your competitors, every time they get nervous because you beat them and they lower their price, you're going to be motivated to do the same. And eventually you're either one of you or both of you or all of you who have no matter, you know, depending on the number of competitors we're talking about here, will end up lowering prices to a point where you're really not making any money. Some competitors even blindly lower their prices to the point where they go in the hole on one product so that they can try and use it as a feeder to other products. And you may not be in that same situation, but you're competing on on price with them so you end up following suit and down and down and down you go so that's the race to the bottom is that it's it's not healthy for you to always be focused on competing on price because eventually what will happen is your competitor will do the same thing or may do the same thing and you'll be racing each other to the bottom so as they go low you go low and i don't know about you but that's not really what i would define as a healthy approach to pricing and it's not where i want to be in my business either where i'm constantly worried about what my competitor's price is i'm going to put my price where it should be and i'm going to i'm going to load up the value and i'm going to focus on bragging about that value and pointing out all those value points so that i can win customers over based on perceived value the price will feel great when they can feel all the value. So that's why I say go value focused rather than get involved in a race to the bottom. Okay. Last major point here is that if you price too low, you you take away a lot of your opportunities to support people on price later. And that materializes when you can't afford to do discounts you can't afford to do uh, sales. You know, you, you can't do the Black Friday sale because you're already so low priced, you can't afford to dip any lower. Uh, it's just not healthy to be that low. You have no margin, right? There's no ability to deviate from your base price because you're already so low, you're barely scraping by. That is not again, it's not healthy, right? It's not healthy for your business. It might be great for the purchaser, but it's not going to be good for you. And you're not serving anyone to the best of your abilities if you can't keep your doors open. And if you can't occasionally, and I'm using that word very intentionally, occasionally offer sales so that you can give a little something special, right? Some special timing to clients that may not be able to afford your product throughout the year. I mean, that's essentially one of the biggest benefits out of things like Black Friday sales, right? It's like, or Cyber Monday sales is that you can offer people an opportunity that may normally not have an opportunity to access your products because the price is so low, or you're getting that person who's just been sitting on the fence. I mean, I, I'll do a Black Friday sale, but I won't expect much out of it. 
and I like to be surprised. So if a bunch of people buy my products during the Black Friday sale, I mean, great. Like I'll gladly accept those sales and be grateful for them and be thankful. But I don't do that four or five times a year. And there's a reason why I don't constantly do sales. Now, I price my products in a way that I can afford to do the occasional sale. And I won't lose my shirt over it. And I won't wake up regretting my price point throughout the week. <clears throat> right? I price it so that it's appropriate. And then when I can offer discounts, I do. And I do it on a very calculated way. So I'm not the first person to jump to like put things on sale six days, you know, whether it's what, 10 national holidays or 11 national, I think it's 10 right now, major national holidays in the United States. I do not run 10 sales a year. Like you're not going to get a president's day sale out of me. <laughs> it's like, that's not how it works. And I'm not selling cheap courses for Valentine's day. Like, no. Right. Uh, if you, if you put on sales too often, and this is part of your low price strategy, right? If you're constantly shooting to go low and offer discounts all the time, your clients will see that on social media and in your newsletters and in your email distro, and they'll wait you out. I mean, if you're always putting on sales, what's the motivation for me to buy when you're not selling, right? When you don't have a discount, there isn't one. As a matter of fact, you've motivated me and incentivized me to wait. So now I'm waiting to make a purchase until uh, you you run your next major sale. And if you're doing them all the time, I know it's not going to be long until until I have that opportunity. So um, so you, yeah, you'll you'll start to influence your your followers and their and their buying habits. Some people scoff at that. They oh well, you know, I'd rather have something than nothing. And I'm like, well, that person probably would have paid regular price for your product if they knew they would have to wait 10 months, 12 months to get a discount. They're probably not going to wait 10 to 12 months for a discount. And if they are, then, hey, more power to them. But most people are that really want something and really need something to solve a problem, they're not going to wait that long. And you shouldn't feel guilty about selling your product at its regular price. It's appropriate. Again, it's not, it's a, it's an appropriate price. So when you set your regular pricing, don't automatically adopt your competitor's price. Don't focus too much on competing on price. Never get in a race to the bottom. Don't, don't make competitor pricing your primary focus. And remember, the lower the, the lower the cost, the lower the perceived value of the product and the lower the perceived value of your brand over, over time. And don't take away your opportunity to help people with sales and discounts at, occasionally throughout the year. Okay. So one of the counter arguments to that last point about sales and discounts is, well, I don't have to offer people sales and discounts if I regularly price low enough. It's like I'm giving the lowest pi price I possibly can all year round. Well, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but again, that would mean that your course is worth that low price. And I would perceive that it wouldn't be packed with value of a course much higher in value. So you might be hurting your sales because the perception is low. So it's tricky. You got to create a balance. And this is why 
whenever someone says, what should I price my course at? I kind of laugh and go, well, we've got to have a pretty in-depth conversation about that. And they'll say, well, you told me not to focus on custom or, uh, or competitor prices, but you asked me to go find out what my competitors are charging. And, and I always tell them, yes, absolutely. Cause you need to know that and you need to know what the market is bearing and you need to know what people are accustomed to paying for a similar product. But I didn't tell you to adopt their price. Did I? No, I want you to be aware and I want you to be using that as an input. It'll be one of the things that informs our decision on your price. Now let's talk about value and what the value of the outcome is of your course. And if it's going to get that person uh, a new skill or the knowledge to make $20,000 in the next 12 months, if they do it right, why would you price that course at $100, right? That's just, I'm looking at that going, it's clear to me I can make a lot more money. Um, I'll use the PMP exam, for example. So the project management professional exam is a really tough exam. It's it's four hours roughly in, in length, or at least it was when I took it. And people pay quite a bit for PMP training. Well, I've worked with PMP courses, uh, exam prep courses that charge right around $2,000 a student. And I've heard people say, oh my gosh, that's a lot for a PMP course. I can get a PMP course over here for, let's say $200. And I just kind of laugh and I'm like, I'm sure you can. But what you won't get is someone who stays with you all the way through the preparation, allows you to repeat the class as many times as possible before you take your exam, gives you the opportunity to pass their own test uh you know, like prep exam. And if you get the right score and you don't end up actually passing the real exam, they'll pay for you to do a retest. Like look at all these value points. Oh, and by the way, you have access to on-demand course materials, not just the live sessions. And you can call or email the instructors any day of the week and get feedback on questions you have or study groups or anything like that. I mean, those are, those are tremendous amounts of or, or potential value points in a course like that. It, all of a sudden, you realize there's no way someone could offer all that for a $200 course. It's just impossible. They'd be upside down. They wouldn't be in business very long, especially when it takes a week to deliver the course, if it's done right. And then you start to look at that and go, well, I'm definitely not buying a $200 course because it couldn't possibly provide the value that that $2,000 course provides. Oh, and by the way, if I get my PMP certification and I only have to take this exam once instead of twice, which would be, oh my gosh, would save you a couple hundred bucks and a, and a huge headache. I can stand to make thousands of dollars from that certification in one year. If I have a job that pays for people that have a PMP over jobs that don't require the PMP. So I might open up my potential for employment. I might open up my opportunities for moving up in the organization I work in, or I might just become a, a badass project manager and reap the benefits within my own business. All those things are potential outcomes that have significant financial returns. I can expect to pay a fair 
but decent price for a course that offers that much value and that much outcome. And by the way, if you're ever interested in getting your PMP, give me a shout. I'll be more than happy to refer you to my friends over at PM Pro Learn. No, they're not sponsoring this. <laughs> I just really like those guys and their courses are outstanding. Um, but, you know, that's a good example of someone who delivers value far beyond what their competitors do. And so their competitive advantage is customer service and customer value. The value of their prep experience is unmatched. You don't think about the money that you spent when you get value that exceeds the money you spent. You just don't think about it. So aim to not compete with your competitor directly on price, but to compete with them on value. Okay. And make sure that your potential clients can see that value. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode. Make sure you're tuning in to part three of our course pricing strategy series. Um, in the next, uh, episode, which will be episode 19 of the actual podcast. So episode 19 will be part three in the series. All right, guys, be safe, take care of each other, be good human beings, and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, Lucas here. I want to talk to you about your specific situation for a moment. If you're interested in launching a course, but you haven't you haven't started yet, or if you're in the process of developing your course and you feel like it's taking too long or there's too much to learn or whatever, and you haven't convinced yourself that hiring a coach or a consultant to help you is the right thing for you to do. Could be price, could be time, could be relationships, whatever the reason is, you're not comfortable pulling the trigger on a coach or a consultant. I encourage you to look into my new program. It's titled Build Your Online Course. And I designed this program to serve me years ago when I first started. This is the program I wish I had available to me when I first started out in online training. This course covers all the fundamentals that you need. It's lifetime access. It helps you move from starter to launched with a successful course at running the course or someone that's already out there doing this, it helps them fill in the gaps in places they may be missing in their business. So like I go through everything in this course that you would want, all the fundamentals for building course content, including identifying your ideal learner, developing course goals and objectives, chapter and lesson content, quizzes, surveys, whether you should write scripts or not, recording video and audio, different course delivery methods like on-demand, hybrid, and live course delivery, all via online. And then we talk about administration of courses, how to launch your pre-sales, drip content, pricing considerations, payment processing, course bundling, groups, cohorts, running communities, student performance tracking, all of it, like all the things you do to deliver your course and administer your course. And then of course you couldn't run an online course without technology. So we go over the fundamentals of a learning management system, building course landing and sales pages, site blogs, workbooks, downloadable PDFs, talk about animations. We even get a little bit into gamification, all the things you wish you could learn to, to support a successful course is, is here in this program. And like I said, I wish I had had this available to me when I first started out. It would have really helped me accelerate my results in my own course development and delivery. So 
go check out merinotraining.com and look for the Build Your Online course program. Again, it's lifetime access to the curriculum and we have live Q&A sessions regularly scheduled. It's me and you, right? I'm there. I don't hire someone else to do this for me. It's me. I show up and we talk about your specific context, what you need for your path in developing your course. So I look forward to seeing you guys in the program. Come check us out. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Conversations for Course Creators. Please check out merinotraining.com to learn more about my private Slack community and the many ways I serve course creators. Be safe out there. I'll see you in the next episode.